I just, I just don't know what to do. I, this is all my fault. I said we should watch every horror movie on Netflix from A to Z. It's four years later. We're on the, we were, well, I don't even know where we are. We've watched so many bad movies. I'm so sorry to Patrick. I'm so sorry to Steven. I, I can't watch any more of these movies. <laughs> that, that was ass, but... <laughs> that was great. <laughs> this Good is enough. Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We are back. It is me, Chris, and I'm here once again with Patrick. Hello. And Steven. Also, Steven. I, accept your, Steven. I accept your apology. Patrick. Steven. <laughs> hi. Do, do, I, do I get to respond and say hi? Yes, yeah, Steven. Steven. Hello. And back again, we have a special guest. Whoa. Christine is back. Our our dear friend. You may remember her as the uh, the fiction writer, literary one. Hello, Christine. Hey, guys. Hello. I'm excited <laughs> to be back. One. The yeah. literary one. Yeah, she writes words and things. She writes words. Puts them together. And, and, and we, we were actually, this is a good time to have you on because, uh, shameless plug, you just have released uh, a book, right? Yes. Tale of Sea and Secret. Uh, it is a YA fantasy, the strong romance uh, arc about a girl who gets mixed up with a pirate, and he takes her away on an adventure to an island, and there are family secrets, and treasure, and kisses, and it's wonderful. And you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on I've Amazon. I've already purchased my copy. I've, I've already purchased a copy, to too. It. It's on, it's on um, for Kindle now. Right? Um, for Kindle, um, yep. And actually, I just heard back from my cover designer for my wrap, and it should be available this weekend for uh, paperback. Oh wow! Wonderful. Yeah. So yep. congratulations. Thank you. So uh, if you listen to this episode, I bought a copy. It's it's dirt cheap on Kindle. It's like four dollars. <laughs> um, so you God, really sell me up here. You really have price to move. You really have no excuse. <laughs> so if you listen to the episode and you, you think Christine sounds cool and smart, and you want to see what kind of uh, things come out of her imagination, look her up. Christine Allen, A Veil of Sea and Secrets on Amazon. Do it. And I root. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that that's our ad for today. We're we're not selling any supplements <laughs> or anything else. I, I I regretfully admit I have not bought a copy yet, but the elevator <gasps> pitch you? really sold me. Well, who among us has not uh, fantasized about running off with a pirate? <laughs> I, if a pirate exactly. pulled up on Lake Erie right now and said, "You want to hop on board?" I would go in a minute. <laughs> Well, Christine, we, we've been through this on the podcast before, but since we have specific material to talk about, I'm curious, how strong does the romance get in this one? If you had to give it an MPAA rating, what, um, what do you think you'd... I would say this this one is probably just PG-13. Okay. Um, okay. It is YA, it is young adult, uh, although it's older adult, um, but the next book is definitely going to have a little more steamy goodness in it. So we're talking like second base. 
Maybe maybe a little further than that. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sneak, you know, sneaking towards I, third. I, I, I'd say I'm sold, but I already have a copy. So. I, <laughs> yeah, perfect. I do, I do also write um, contemporary romance, steamy contemporary romance, and um, I actually am, have a, a book under a pen name coming up at the end of June, so I can definitely plug that one, too, if people are more interested in sex. Because I got that, too. Fantastic. Well, uh, (laughs) speaking of sex and romance, uh, this week we watched a movie with no sex and romance, The Blair Witch Project from 1999. You know it. I know it. Everybody is familiar with the story. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, you know, we like to do a little horror catch up, figure out what everyone has been watching that hasn't been uh, assigned homework. Um, And I I think I want to open this with with a retraction. And I might speak speak for Steven on this, but... uh, um, oh, Stephen you're downgrading I... the Vatican tapes to a cue-it. Please oh, no, tell no, no, me. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. I do have I have a note on Vatican tapes as well. But um, Stephen and I watched the season premiere of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, where he was joined by special guest host Eli Roth, who we oh, have not God. spoken well of on this show, as Patrick's Oh God indicates. And um, speaking for myself, but I also think I'm speaking for Stephen. I'm sure he can interject. You are. I am sure you are. Um, yeah. He comes across actually as not a psychopath. He seems like a really cool guy. <laughs> I would hang out with him. Uh, he's very interesting. He knows a hell of a lot about the horror genre. Um, and so we kind of realize that our negative perception of Eli Roth and the assumptions we've made about him are basically solely based on his product on the screen. Um, and I mean, which is, a, which is a fair way to read a person. For sure. I mean, let's not get that twisted. I would still love to sit down and, you know, ask him some questions about the N words and cabin fever. Um, oh. And see kind of what his rationale for that is, but he he does he does not seem like a douche or a psychopath as we've kind of been assuming all this time. (laughs) So if you're listening, Eli, and I know you are, (laughs) we apologize. (laughs) Um, you apologize. I do not apologize for anything I've said about (laughs) Eli Roth. (laughs) All right. Well, um, what else has been going on, Uh, Stephen? Have you read anything? Watched anything horror related besides the Blair? Witch Project lately? Yeah, I mean, obviously, aside from the Blair Witch Project, um, you know, this isn't horror, but uh, um, hear me out on this, but I, I caught up with the the film Sound of Metal mm. the other night, and uh, obviously not a horror movie, if you know anything about it, but there is kind of an element of body horror to it. There's some really kind of horrific stuff in this that got under my skin involving losing one's own hearing and and just how, you know, surreal and, um, you know, obviously debilitating that is. And there were some scenes that really unsettled me and made me, you know, kind of reconsider even more than ever before the way that I treat my ears. You know, I've, I've gone to a lot of loud concerts in my day. I play my music loud in my headphones. And this movie kind of put the fear of God into me a couple of times. Hmm. So not horror, but some horrific moments in that one. Interesting. That's all I got, though. Patrick, how about you? Oh, my God. So much. I watched Pie Whack It, Chris, which I oh. know you plugged uh, several episodes ago from yep. the director of Backcountry, which yep. was an Amon movie a while ago. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, won't belabor that point because I know you already talked it up before, but really enjoyed it up until the ending. I had some issues with the ending, but we can talk about that offline. Slither. I finally caught up with James Gunn's Slither, which was a oof. fucking blast. Oh, no oof. It was a blast. I had a great time with that. And what else? Oh, kind of following the theme of last episode, uh, 
rewatched uh crank Two: high voltage from mark neville dean director of the vatican tapes which let's just say the sexual and racial politics of that film have not aged well in the least if they were even ever good in the first place because they certainly were not but if you can look past all the horrifying sexism and racism in the film it is still uh, from the point of view of just like insane action movie construction still a demented masterpiece that's my summary so let me follow up on uh, last week's discussion of uh the vatican tapes because i bought the vatican tapes on blu-ray i listened to the commentary with mark neveldine to try to find out it did this movie knowingly have a sense of humor are there winks and nods at the audience when you see some of the ridiculous stuff on screen uh, short answer is no, but <laughs> here's here's what I can tell you. Mark Neveldine is clearly somebody who's more comfortable joking around uh, and having fun than he is making straight horror. He didn't really intend this to be a horror movie as much as a thriller, but they were trying to make a great exorcism film, and... It seems like maybe he's trying to keep the baby away from the stove a little bit in terms of uh, comedy. Like, he talks about some scenes where he was going to have sight gags, and uh, he talks about how Michael Pena showed up and was kind of treating it like as a comedy for his like first day on set, and they had to rein him back. So everyone was having a blast. And so I think, you know... I, I don't think people were taking this too seriously on set um, outside of, you know, the, the exorcism scene. But um, my, my theory is mostly busted. Well, I would love to rein Michael Pena back, for the record. Um, <laughs> Jesus. A fine man, a fine man. Uh, That's so bizarre to me. He he showed up on set thinking it was a well, comedy? Well, not thinking it was a comedy, but but he was... Uh, I, I forget how he worded it, but he showed up and he, he apparently just wasn't taking it quite as seriously as, as he was supposed to um, his first day. He thought it was maybe a different type of film. Well, thank you for doing the Lord's work on that one, Chris, yeah. and doing that research for well, us. Well, it's it's my first step doing the Lord's work. I'm eventually going to become an exorcist. So, <laughs> And then, uh, real briefly for me, I watched The Nightingale from Jennifer Kent, director of The Babadook, movie I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, you may have heard on this program or elsewhere that's a difficult watch it certainly can be but i think people dwell on the uh violence and the cruelty and all the horrible triggering things that you see in this movie and what gets lost is that the movie is beautiful it is uplifting at times it is very funny at times i thought it was a fantastic movie start to finish and i could go on about it all day i really enjoyed the nightingale um it's not horror really although you definitely can draw some parallels between it and the babadook and there are some sequences that are quite horrifying but really really good movie that's all i gotta say about that i suppose yeah i'll check that out at some point i mean given its reputation based on the subject matter it apparently deals with sounds like something that i probably just need to force myself to watch because i mean it was clear with the babadook that she was an amazing filmmaker right out the gate and I was very excited for this movie until I found out what it was about. But the same could be said for Irreversible, a movie that is uh, pretty pretty harrowing in places, infamously, but ultimately kind of uh, enriching and rewarding. Yeah, it re- so it really I'm hoping it'll have the same effect on it. It subverted my expectations all over the place, and I feel like if this movie were more accessible and if it were American, it would be like sweeping the Academy Awards. Um, it's hmm. just. For, for good reason, a lot of people are going to check out a uh, half hour into it. So I picked it up from the library today. Oh, fantastic. So excited. 
All right, Christine, I know you don't really uh, breathe, live, drink <laughs> horror as much as the rest of I us, don't. but you know, anything interesting going on in your life uh, outside of your, your Blair Witch Project assignment for this week? Uh, I've watched the John Wick trilogy three times each in the last like month and a half. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's excessive. It seems excessive. But other than that, no. I've actually been thinking about subscribing to Shudder, I think oh. is what it's called. Because oh, yes. I keep seeing all these Wait, what, trailers. What's that? Shut, oh, no. It's a, does, should, should we not talk about no, it? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Please do. I'm just joking. Because Stephen mentioned Shudder more like, than we regularly. talk about yeah. Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah, honestly. It's true. Well, it's true. I just... I, there are certain horror movies that I like, and I like paranormal horror in particular, but I feel like I keep seeing all these trailers for all these things on Shudder, and they seem really interesting and good. I don't gravitate toward it as often as I used to as far as the streaming service, but it's as a horror fan, it's just nice knowing it's there <laughs> in the background. It's a nice I... backup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't use it a ton. I probably watch maybe like a movie a month on it on average, but it's like 50 bucks for the year or something yeah, so like bad. well worth Whatever. it i mean especially because there's like some cool originals on it and just you know i, I appreciate the curation you know like yes. there there are interesting movies that come up on there that i might not think to watch otherwise and i go oh well shutter gave me this so it's probably going to be memorable yeah he talked me into it. I really appreciate the human touch on Shudder uh, compared to other streaming services where it's just like, hey, you want to see all the stuff we got rights to? And it's like, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> all well, right. Christine, did you want to plug your, your other book? I feel like we kind of steamrolled over that when you mentioned that. Um, if, if not, no big deal. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't sure if, if you were yeah. trying to set up a plug no, or not. No, no. Um, we can definitely put links in um, below. Um, but it is uh, borderline on eroticism, so erotic fiction. So it uh, depends on, I guess, how you want me to plug that. Um, but it's called Wrecking Lou, and it's under my pen name, Chris King. Um, and it is available for pre-order now. And you guys can go and read the description. I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to say it uh, over the podcast. I mean, this is an but... X-rated podcast, so <laughs> I think you can say whatever you need to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't, but, uh, don't hold back on, on account of all the monsters who listen to this show. <laughs> there are no children who listen to I this guess, show. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll just let, you know, if you, people are curious, they can go check it out. I'll okay. make sure links are provided. And um, yeah, thanks well, for coming back to that. We will put links to all that in our show notes. Perfect. Thank you. Well, what did we watch this week, guys? We watched The Blair Witch Project, 1999, the found footage classic. <laughs> really, the film that, as we all know, put found footage on the map. Yes, there was found footage before The Blair Witch Project, but this, mm -hmm. is the, this is the reason why every other week someone puts out a shaky cam, there's ghosts in the woods or the insane asylum type of movie. Um and I guess you know this is movie. This is a movie with such a colossal uh, uh, footprint or shadow on the whole horror industry. I guess I'm wondering what each of your experiences with this movie were before, you know, this week. Uh, I'll jump in. I mean, I mentioned this on the last episode, but I, I actually figured out how old I would have been when I saw it. But I saw this movie at the drive-in when I was 10 years old on a double bill with Bowfinger, the Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin comedy, <laughs> uh, because they did it alphabetically and apparently according to MPAA rating. Very bizarre double bill. Uh, <laughs> 
but <laughs> I think uh, I don't remember which came first, but I hope Bowfinger was a, was the palate cleanser. Wait, I, I thought you said well, you said which came first. Oh my god! <laughs> my Stop god! It. <laughs> which Stop which it is right which? Now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I honestly don't remember too much of that experience, except that it was kind of uncomfortable because I was with a friend and his dad and his dad's date and they stayed in the car and we were on a blanket outside on the gravel watching it so i just remember being very uncomfortable like trying to find a way to to, like situate myself on the gravel watching this movie i have to say it didn't do a lot for me but i think it was because i mean i was very young and also it was just a very distracting environment like being at a drive-in like outside of the car there's constant you know nonsense going on around you the drive-in is a totally different experience for the movie that you're watching and you know you could watch the same movie at home or somewhere else or in theater and have a completely different experience i feel like well and it might i'm thinking back on it it might have been the first time i'd ever been to a drive-in too so there was this kind of like anxiety and also novelty about the experience but i mean i remember this movie being fucking huge you know like everybody was talking about it i remember the website i remember the the press leading up to it and people thinking that the actors were dead and they were playing themselves because they have their their own names in the movie i i remember the phenomenon that this movie was i don't remember being particularly scared by it when i saw it but i think that was all um i'll chalk it up to um the the circumstantial surroundings but but that's my piece what about you guys so um i was super excited when you guys were like hey do you want to talk about the Blair Witch project because i don't have any specific memories of it other than my mom was like hey check this out this is like real footage this is when we believed it was real footage yeah um which i actually did some research about and i'll probably talk about that later but um i'm like no this can't be real and she's like yeah 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 and i remember being on um like one of those i don't know morning news shows or whatever and thinking like this looks really really cool and i also did the math on how old i was when that came out because my mom and i went and saw it in the theater as soon as it came out and i was 12 and it scared the shit out of me (laughs) um i thought it was fantastic i had never seen anything like that before in my life at that point and i thought it was that it was great scared me i loved it i did not see it when it came out because i had a sheltered childhood but i watched (laughs) it for the first time on vhs which i think was a very good way to experience it i don't know Mm -hmm. like late teens probably revisited it uh i don't know i want to say like maybe five years ago long enough ago that i didn't remember quite enough from the last time i had seen it and that it felt fresh and horrifying all over again this time when we watched it and chris you have the most perhaps unique experience with watching this movie this time it was why is that it was it was your first time wasn't it (laughs) oh yeah it was my first time i'd never seen this movie before what's wrong with you and (laughs) i i i can't explain myself really i mean so this movie came out i just just looked at me like he had been lobotomized when i suggested (laughs) that he had had a unique experience with this movie (laughs) i was confused too patrick because at the beginning of the episode chris is like everybody knows this movie like you sold it like he's a liar that's the thing everybody knows this movie and me this movie came out when I was in fifth grade and I remember it hit like it's like you know a major world event basically like <laughs> um, you know everyone in fifth grade was talking about this movie and you know some of the kids had seen it I did not 
go to the theater and see it but like some kids did and so i would you know first there was the debate about like oh is it real that's not real is it real and then like people would talk about you know i remember people talking about the tropes and things and then people were drawing the sticks on the margins of their notebooks and making (laughs) the sticks in the playground and stuff like that and um talking about the ending and like oh there's a house and there's bloody handprints and it's like oh you know and and, and it kind of made it scarier to me and i i was more curious about it just kind of hearing about it this movie as if it were an urban legend sort of um (laughs) but for some reason i just never saw it and then you know now 30 years later 20 years later i don't want to think about it it's (laughs) overexposed you know so it's like there's I don't know. For me, it's really hard to kind of watch this as a film, especially for the first time, uh, and separate it from the phenomenon and everything I know about it and all the things I look at it from the lens of, you know, a a film critic or a filmmaker and like trying to like be like, oh, this is interesting how they did all this. It's it's really hard oh, to watch I, objectively. <laughs> I had the same experience, and I'd seen it when it came out. I mean, I, I will say one thing that really shocked me about seeing it this time around, because, again, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a um, while. I, I, for, I didn't realize any of this movie was in color, let alone so much of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that was kind of a shock to me, this go-around, because, because the things about it that have become so ingrained in our culture are like you know the black and white shot of of the of the director you know crying you know and and saying her apologies and everything into the camera that's and not black the and white at though. the end isn't it no um, that shot is in color yeah i think that is in color but it's all it's all uh, low see? contrast it's all low color i mean it's shot in the wood even the color stuff is shot in the woods and you know fall turning to winter everything's gray or in tan um oh it's very muddy and and just like wet and uncomfortable looking it felt really natural though like when i watched it i'm like yeah this is exactly how if i had gone into the woods and recorded stuff this is exactly how it would look like and i like mm-hmm. that because it felt it felt more immersive i guess i'm not i'm not sure it felt uh, more authentic but that's funny that you said that it really stuck out the color because when i was watching it i forgot that they had black and white in there me too yeah that was that was <laughs> really? my experience too yeah yeah, yeah. like i was oh, i was surprised by that. yeah well if you're listening to the show you're probably familiar with the movie uh but you know we'll, we'll set it up a little bit real simple story you have three film students or college students who are making a film uh heather josh and mike easy to remember their names because it's the same names as the actors and they say them all the time in the movie (laughs) yep (laughs) and they set off into the woods in maryland to Uh, kind of do a little documentary on the legend of the Blair Witch. So they start in the town. They talk to some townspeople about the urban legend of the Blair Witch. It's all pretty hokey stuff. um, And you get the sense that the students don't really take it that seriously. And they're going to go on their little hike and just kind of make a little, you know, documentary for, for fun and school credit and you know maybe they'll run on public access or something and then you know weird stuff starts happening uh long story short they get hopelessly lost in the woods and there's probably a literal blair witch out there that's your movie (laughs) that's your movie Um, like surprisingly like looking at it in the long lens like surprisingly little happens in this movie oh yeah um which really caught me off guard seeing it back this time it felt like i don't know 
again, not I'm not a movie person. I enjoy them, but I'm not a movie person, so I don't know what the standard is. But it felt like it was a really short movie. Was it really short, or was it a normal? Oh, it was. Yeah. It was uh, 90 minutes is like kind of standard length if you want to get your movie in theaters, and this is 82 with with a couple of minutes of credits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's kind of a breeze. Yeah. But compared to, I mean, so I had never saw the Blair Witch Project, but of course I've seen probably a dozen other found footage movies that owe everything to the Blair Witch Project. And what really struck me watching this movie for the first time is how much better this was at doing things and establishing their world and, and making the found footage convincing. And... Mm-hmm. um doing it effortlessly and kind of, you know, answering questions that people new to the genre might have, like, you know, are they, aren't they going to run out of battery or like, you know, why are they keep filming even though they're being chased by monsters and stuff that like <laughs> later films, you know, like grave encounters or uh, what's the one we watched? Archivo, <laughs> Archivo oh, 253 or whatever it was. Um, they kind of take for granted and so we're like ah eh, you know what's going on but this this legitimately looks like it could have been footage that they found in the woods well and a huge part of that i think is because uh you know there was a lot of a lot of that was baked into the way they made the movie i mean some of the cameras are actually being operated by the actors and they yeah. had this weird system where they would leave directions in like milk crates in the woods for the actors to you know, get their direction for the day. So there was a lot of realism to it. So instead of, I mean, and you, and in some cases you did have a professional camera operator or cinematographer running the camera, um, but it's not the effect that you get in a lot of the, these found footage movies now, I think, where you have a professional actually behind the camera. And so it feels like sort of artificially created disorder. This is real disorder a lot of the time created by people who don't necessarily know what they're doing, so it feels extra real. Yeah, and it's not like they just had a a crew shooting this movie and then they put like a little record symbol in the upper left-hand corner <laughs> like you yeah. see in so yeah. many of these movies. Oh yeah, it feels very plausibly like what it purports to be, which is why it fucking caught fire and everybody was talking about it at school in 1999. Yeah. And I'm, I again, it's like I'm kind of sad I missed the boat on this originally because it didn't really scare me this time, um, even watching it for the first time. And it's probably just because I, I know the deal. I knew there was going to be sticks in the woods. I knew how it was going to end. And so it was kind of just like watching someone hit a bunch of points that I kind of already knew. I didn't find it very scary. Um personally but i could appreciate the construction of it and appreciate that it is scary to someone who's less initiated to it all and i think so much of that comes from the fact that like they don't explain anything they don't show you anything they don't explain anything (laughs) nothing nothing like the ending i I mean i'd obviously seen it in the theaters and then i saw it a bunch of times after that in my youth and then, but now, you know, I watched it the other day with more of a critical eye and I thought, I thought the same thing. So it scared me when I was younger, um, when I didn't know what to expect. But now that I was looking at it with a critical eye, I'm like, there's really not a lot of story here at all. Like there's just, there, for me, there wasn't a lot of substance. I still love it. I still think it's, I don't know if you would consider it a cult classic or whatever, but I still love it because of the memories I had being scared of it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But I think... If I was in Chris's shoes and I watched it again, I would be like, eh. So that's interesting to me because this movie fucked me up. 
<laughs> like this time it fucked me up on on really? my third viewing yeah allison wow. allison with the y and i stayed up like dissecting it and a lot of it was like we didn't necessarily need to be talking about it but we needed to stay up longer and like talk to each other in with like the lights on because <laughs> it it fucked us up and to me the scariness is not about sticks in the trees or even the witch but it's it's to me the scary thing about this is the horror of human error the horror of you know thinking you're a big shot and you know what you're doing and having that you know that swagger that heather has oh yeah i know we're going whatever and then you not only only get yourself lost but you get other people into a life-threatening situation that's scary and the way that escalates and builds is really unsettling to me this movie is something that i think of actually almost any time that i go for a long hike especially on a trail that i don't know at some point i think of this movie and i think oh my god if i turn around this corner and see a place that i've already been i'm gonna lose my shit oh that literally happened to me last summer like i got lost with someone in the woods off of Jackson Road in Ann Arbor, which is, like, ridiculous that there's, like, <laughs> woods that are, like, thick enough that you can get lost in. But we we kept winding up on the same... I did have half an edible, and so did he. So let me just, let me just, let me just say that. But, I mean, I had... I mean, I, I had my phone out. Like, I had my GPS. Like, we thought... Like, we were pretty sure we knew what we were doing, and we wound up on the same residential street adjacent to the park three times. And I was like, we're going to die here. The sun is going down. (laughs) The sun is going down and we're no longer high at at a certain point. And there's just, there's no way out. There's no way out. So that that is scary to me. But I think with this movie, Patrick, what you said about this being like sort of about the horror of human error, I'm not a person who carries myself with a lot of swagger. I don't think I would ever be leading an expedition like this, but uh, so I, f- I, I connected with, the, with this movie mostly as like an anxiety experience. I wasn't scared. I'm like, if I found this shit in the woods, I wouldn't be scared of it. I would just be like annoyed and, and increasingly frustrated that I kept running into them and not not like making new ground and getting closer to my destination. And this movie did make me feel again not scared, but very anxious mm-hmm. and very often. Hmm. Yeah. I I think part of the other reason that it still fucks me up is it's still, you know, obviously we all know it's actors, blah, blah, blah. The the myths about all that have been debunked, but it still, to me at least, feels like something you shouldn't be watching. It just, it has that cursed feeling to it. Like, oh my God, this actually happened to these people and I'm watching them die. It's, and you know, I mean, we've you could dissect the reasons for that ad nauseum and we've already dissected it a bit, but like something about it just still really works. I wish I could get out of my own head enough to really get into that mood. I wasn't able to do it watching this movie this time. I was just so, so hypnotized by the phenomenon of the Blair Witch Project and the the real life Mm -hmm. story that I wasn't really able to let myself get into the universe. But that's not to say I didn't appreciate that it was creepy. I mean, there's, there's nothing scarier than somebody watching you and you don't know what it is and you don't know where they are and they're tormenting you. That's horrifying to me, yeah. personally. Yeah, Chris, I, I I really tried to to approach this movie. I wanted to shit my pants. I mean, I was like, I've seen this before. It's been memed to death. It's been parodied to death over the past, you know, 20 years. 
and I try to like set the mood right and everything. And I still, I, I don't know if this movie could ever really quite do that for me, hmm. but I still appreciated the attempt. And clearly it works on the majority of, of folks who seek it out. I mean, Christine sounds like she was particularly traumatized by it. I was. And you know, it's interesting because when I was scared of it when I was younger, it was because of those piles of rocks and those little twig people and, you know, mm-hmm. the bloody stuff that they discover and the house at the end. The house is so creepy. Um, but watching with the critical eye, I think what probably helped that be even more scary for me was the actors. I think the mm-hmm. actors did a really, really good job of being real in it. Um, I yeah. identified strongly with Mike. Me where... too. <laughs> Which upset <Yeah>. me. <laughs> right. like, I, I loved, hated Mike because when he's like, I kicked that fucker into the river when they're talking about losing the map. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I would fucking do that. I'd be so pissed <laughs> at Heather that I would do that and fuck everything uh-huh. up. And then, but then like, you know, a few scenes later, he's the voice of reason because Josh is a losing it. Yeah. He is a losing it. And Heather is trying to go over there and say, we can't stop. We need to go. We need to go. And Mike is like, no, he needs a second. Like we, we all need a second. He needs a second. Just give him a second. I'm like, that's, that would be me. I'd be like nuts and pissed one day and then the voice of reason the next. Well, the other thing that I weirdly related to about Mike was what happened, well, was his behavior even before he kicked the map in the river. Because just like <laughs> I related strongly to like being the guy who decides to take a risk and do the kind of like crazy thing and go camping yeah. and like film a witch with your friends who you don't <laughs> know that well with like people you haven't met before like you do. Yeah. and you like put your well okay not that specific situation but <laughs> yeah. um, but like you know decide to do this like sort of risky like edgy thing with people i don't know that well yeah. and then get out there and things are fucked up and you've made the wrong decision and all you can yes. do is put your trust in this insane person who you don't yes. know it's that just felt very relatable to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd call Heather insane, but I but I mostly okay, agree not with insane, you. Yeah. but like obviously <laughs> she did not do a great job of planning that trip. No, she did a great job of planning that trip, but also the woods are fucking haunted. It doesn't matter how much you plan, you're gonna get lost, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, Heather also has some of that like kind of that big dick energy where it's like it's okay guys it's okay guys it's okay guys when it's not okay she's the director yeah Yeah. like she's the she's the head honcho she's but i feel like she you know deep down inside that character thinks that well i'm holding all this together this is all my responsibility this is fine we're gonna be okay you know she's gotta put out she gotta put forth that big dick energy to make sure these guys pull through (laughs) you know like she's carrying like she has a lot of responsibility on her shoulders because she's been navigating and she fucked up but yeah. also, you know, paranormal activity in the woods. But also, she fucked up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Her performance is tremendous, though. Like, I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I think it's a deceptively simple role, maybe. Um, but you get such a sense of that character, which is especially remarkable because half the time it's a it's a voice performance only. You know, she's behind yeah. the camera so often. But you get a sense of not just, you know, some stock character, some, you know, killer fodder we see cannon fodder in so many of these movies and this feels like a person you know yeah. like a, a real human being 
Yeah, some trivia. Do you guys want to know what she does now? She said she grows weed. She grows she really oh, weed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because she couldn't get acting roles because of this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because Heather Donahue was as much of a character as it was an actress. Yeah, yeah. And it's I like see that. What else are we going to do with this character? Nothing. So yeah, she's she's growing sucks. marijuana. Wild. <laughs> You know, another interesting thing to me, one one part that I had kind of forgotten about in all this, you know, obviously I remembered the wandering around in the woods, but I'd forgotten about all the stuff where they're just interviewing townspeople at the beginning. And mm-hmm. that stuff works very well, too, because you get so many red herrings that feel so real. Everybody has a different story about yeah. the Blair Witch, a different story about who the Blair Witch killed and whatever. And it it works to throw you off balance even a little more because normally you'd get like, in a lot of movies, you'd get one of those stories and you go, oh, okay, at some point we're going to see this happen. But you get like four right. or five different options and you don't know what you're going to end up seeing right. happen. Well, and a lot, of, a lot of the people they interview also like don't take the mythology entirely seriously yeah. either, which is kind of a red herring in and of itself because you're like, oh, yeah, people know about this legend, but they're not like actively terrified of the Blair Witch. Nothing can really go wrong on this trip. Well, and some of them are not actors. That was an, that was another interesting thing I learned is some are and some are really? actual people who they just interviewed. And yeah. Do you remember who? Because I felt like the, the I, woman with the baby... Who did that interview? The woman with the with the baby in her arms. Oh, yeah. The baby's putting the baby hands all over her face, and <laughs> yeah. they were getting upset. And I was like, "If this is acting, this is fucking great." Because yeah. that whole yeah. scene right there was perfect. It didn't seem at all like it was staged or whatever. Yeah, her and the I, I don't know exactly who was and wasn't an actor, but her and the um, old guy who you know says he doesn't believe in the Blair Witch because he's religious. I was like, "Oh, this is one hundred percent a real person." <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's not in SAG by any means. <laughs> Yeah. What did you guys think of the fishermen? Uh, that was like the most oh. entertaining piece of the interviews for me. I was like, who? Uh, how do they know each other? Like, what is this young <laughs> guy with this old person's glasses doing with this older dude? Like, are they a yeah. couple? Something weird was. <laughs> it was all great. I would have. I would have watched another half hour of that, and then a half hour less of everything else. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know about that, but I did love the the fishermen. I have no idea if they're actors or not. And and that scene is so entertaining. It is comical, but also just goddamn, it's so ominous. Like the one guy is just so upset that the kids are even asking him these questions. He's yeah. just like, I don't. Th- I don't want this to happen again. Basically, is his attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and it, but it, realizes he can do nothing to stop it. And there but is- he's also just fucking throwing his reel the whole time too. Like, yeah, don't <laughs> like step on my stuff. You're stepping on my stuff, or you know whatever. Yeah. When she goes to interview him, and she's like asking him permission for uh, to get him on on tape or whatever, and she's like, I need a yes or no, and he's just so gruff about it, you know. Mm-hmm. It was all great, and it you know this movie's strength and the scares in this movie come from your imagination because you don't see anything, mm-hmm. you don't. They don't explain anything to you. If this were like, you know, a movie made in the 2000s or 2010s, it would be like, you know, at the end they would find a book and it would be like, oh, look, look at this book. It explains everything. <laughs> but yeah. no, you don't. You So basically you nothing. what these early scenes are doing is they're just kind of weaving this tapestry of all kinds of abstract imagery and horrors and things that could be out there. And then what your yeah. mind puts together with all that when we're out there in the dark and you hear twigs snapping, it's all up to you. Yeah, it's fantastic. The problem for me is that my mind 
didn't and both times I've seen this my mind didn't really supply images to fill those gaps like I didn't feel like I didn't feel inspired to go quite that far with it no I mean that's kind of my problem too like I am they're in the tent they're hearing creepy things and I'm like I it was just so hard for me to step out side the critical lens or the filmmaker lens and and be like oh there's something i'm like this is a very inventive scene that uses nothing but yeah. a tent <laughs> you know it's a brilliant brilliant scene i mean i i I've, I, I, I doubt there was anything like that before this movie and it still impressed me this time but at the same time i wasn't really scared i was like i could still i'm still very much aware of the fact that i'm watching a low-budget DIY movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not picturing the kids out there pawing at the tent or whatever's supposed to be going. Right, yeah, it, it didn't do the thing for me. You know what? Interesting, spiritual successor to this movie, already mentioned once on the program today, uh, Backcountry, another movie we watched, I think mm-hmm. owes a lot to the Blair Witch Project. And for some reason, and it might just be, again, because I was hyper-exposed to the Blair Witch Project, and I, I, it's impossible for me to look at it outside of the behind-the-scenes story and the phenomenon. Um, Backcountry, when they're in the tent in Backcountry, and they hear a twig snap, that chilled me to the bone in a way that this movie just wasn't able to get there for me. And I'm not saying that's any no points off the Blair Witch Project I just think it's like you know it's like watching any of these old classic movies like Halloween where it's like these things have been kind of iterated on and it just doesn't seeing a guy in a mask with a knife at the end of your block just doesn't hit the way it did in 1978 you know (laughs) you know I I believe I don't often I don't often say this but I believe some things should be sacred and I really get annoyed with horror parodies especially on like SNL or like the scary movie movies because they do kind of they kind of water down the effect uh, of some of these sequences that we're talking about right because like and like i i get it like the reason that we parody these things is because they scare some people so much that there's you know catharsis to be had in laughing about it but i i would just rather we didn't or they're just so memorable that it's it's iconic and it's you know something you can reference yeah, I feel like horror should only be parodied if it's bad. Um, otherwise, just like let let the magic remain. Don't spoil it for future generations. And and this is a movie that I think has been parodied. Possibly, you know, maybe Scream is up there, but I think this has been parodied more than any other horror movie I can think of. And it's definitely affected the way that I I think about and watch this movie over time. Um, yeah. Another interesting thing for me is the moments where I was kind of taken out of the reality of the movie because the movie tried a little too hard to be a movie. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like there's the scene where uh, Heather explains her character's motivation for filming the whole time, which I appreciated, but I thought it was a little, I mean, it was a good scene, but it was a little on the nose. And I'm like, this seems like, a movie telling me something it doesn't seem like footage you found in the woods oh i disagree strongly that scene that hit me like a ton of bricks Uh, especially her performance sold it a lot but i bought it entirely because i had been thinking a little bit about that i mean my head was not entirely in the movie i was still in critic brain somewhat too and i was going you know okay well the, the standard found footage question why are they still filming and when someone finally asks her that in the movie and she says this is all i have left it she completely sold it because to me in that moment 
that's her way of convincing herself that they're still getting out of there, that she's still doing this mm. for someone, oh, yeah. that she's still creating a record for someone. And I bought that yeah. hook, line, and sinker, and it was actually really affecting to me. It's, it's the last FedEx package in Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that worked did you really guys, well for me, Did you actually. guys read any um, uh, political themes into this one? Fuck no. No. <laughs> just me then. <laughs> it's it's oh, always God. just you. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear what did what did you what did you hear? I mean, Chris? I don't, I don't, th- I don't <laughs> think I don't think there's a message in this movie. I think it's just stuff that's in the DNA of our culture and comes out when people make movies like this subconsciously. But um, you know, I thought there was something to be said. There's that scene you know where they're literally singing "America the Beautiful" oh, in the yeah. woods, yeah. and they talk about how America is destroyed. The natural world we're not going to get lost out here america the beautiful if someone sings america the beautiful in a movie it's not because the filmmakers are trying to tell you that america's beautiful okay <laughs> well obviously but there was no script we're not rocking in the free world here there was no dialogue chris though it was just uh the, there was a screenplay it was a 35 page screenplay but there was no dialogue and it. it was just I, a plot out i wonder if i can read that screenplay online i'd be very interested to read it for for other too. reasons but um i just because thought- 35 35 pages seems like way too much if there's no dialogue given how little happens it does seem long but what i read said there was no dialogue Hmm. well you know you just have these these kids who basically go on a quest to discover atrocities from american history and you know the, the the kind of the salem witch trials are sort of invoked you know and that sort of thing and and um you know there's this part where they think the carns that are around their campsite are you know part of an Indian burial ground. Uh, yeah. When we mm-hmm. get to the house at the end, there's a noose hanging in the house. There's there's little echoes of you know what you might find if you try to do too much research on American history. And I thought it was just kind of thematically interesting that you have these kind of young you know bright eyed kids going off into the woods to learn something about the history of their community and game over big mistake <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think it, it, if that is going on on a subconscious level it's still pretty broad like i don't think it points to any particular historical event or trauma no um, it, this, this isn't the nightingale which is <laughs> explicit about those themes and maybe why they were in my head but yeah um, yeah I, this know. movie if this movie's doing anything it's oh if you dig too deep into the past you're gonna find something that makes you uncomfortable yeah, and, and it's, yeah. You know, it, it, the, all we have left of them, you know, they're gone forever. Like so many uh, people in American history, all we have left are their, you know, basically their letters that they left behind. We can kind of piece together how they lived their life. I don't know. Just those are things I thought about watching this movie. Yeah, this movie's. A, yeah, it's interesting to look back on the the lives of people who filmed everything twenty four seven. That'll be us someday. Yeah. I was just thinking about, I mean, you know, obviously we've talked already about how it kicked off this found footage uh, trend and uh, like just how no one has come close. Like there's, there's, there's nothing. There's just nothing that comes close to this. I mean, paranormal activity works really well. It's a completely different thing from this though, honestly. And even that, I would say, is not as good as this. And then there's just a steep drop. Like, what fucking else has this genre created that comes even close to a good film, let alone a great one? You know? Archivo, man. 
Archivo, yeah. Shut up. It's just, it's Creep. just, <laughs> it's just weirdly difficult to replicate, you know. And I think that's another one of the mistakes everyone has made is thinking that because of the simplicity and lack of craft, that it's easy mm-hmm. to do, you mm-hmm. know. Like clearly, it's not easy to do this well, you know. Yeah. I had the same thought, Patrick. I thought watching this movie, well, when it was over, um, even though, you know, I, I can say it didn't hit me viscerally the way I wanted it to. Um, I was like, I've seen a lot of found footage movies. I've seen so many imitations of the Blair Witch Project. I've mm-hmm. never seen a movie like this before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like if you're going to make a movie like this, if you're producing it, if you're directing it, you need to sit down with the Blair Witch Project and, and watch it again <laughs> and figure out why it works. Because I'll tell you what, seeing the CGI demon crawling through the air duct at you when you got your <laughs> night vision camera is totally the opposite of yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, and that's interesting, too. That, this is another weird tidbit. Tit, tidbit. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Let's try that again. I'm listening. <laughs> Chris King is listening. <laughs> Tell me all about this tidbit. <laughs> oh, this is an interesting tidbit that I picked up on Wikipedia. Um, the so there's the one scene where they're they're being harassed from outside their tent in the middle of the night, and they just run out of the tent and just yeah. stand around in the woods until dawn. So I learned that the i believe it was the cinematographer of the film was dressed up in like white long underwear and like with a white stocking cap and he was supposed to appear on camera as the blair witch and they filmed that but whoever was holding the camera i forget which of them it was i don't think it was one of the actors actually in that case which makes this almost funnier they somehow failed to get him in the shot and only did one take so it almost by mistake we didn't see the Blair Witch. Like they Can intended you for how us to. Lame that would be oh, if that's what the it, Blair Witch looked yeah. like. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, super lame. I have two thoughts. First of all, I think it could have worked if it had just been a real like it's a couple frames while the camera's moving and you see sure. a shape and you don't know yeah. what it is. You know, I think you could have got away with it. But the most chilling part of this movie for me, the part that did scare the shit out of me, was I think that scene where we were supposed to see the Blair Witch and we didn't and we just have Heather running and all of a sudden she's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really I agree with that. By that. Yeah, that I was agree. chilling. It's, yes. It's great that we didn't see anything other than the little rock piles and the, the little wooden things. Because and... how could you? How could you? I mean, if this were real footage, you're not going to get that on camera. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it just would have it just would have pulled you out and you've been like, this is a movie. Well, and it's yeah, because you'd have to if the if the bird was just there, you'd have to like, especially at night like that, you'd have to make an effort to stop and like point your camera yeah. at her yeah. to get a clear image, and that would just feel false. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the classic example of it's it's scarier to not see the thing than to see the yep. thing because they actually intended for us to see it, and it is <laughs> scarier to just hear her react to the thing that we were supposed to see and didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we review it and go to the spoiler room? I think so. There's only one room uh, and only one spoiler, I think, in this whole movie. <laughs> I was but, wondering uh, what our spoiler room... I was wondering if we were even doing a spoiler room. Well, we have to take a break at some we point. Do. It's just part we of the do. format. We have to go urinate at some point. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, re- let's review the damn thing. 
I mean, I'll give it a view it. Like, it didn't scare me both times I saw it. Very different circumstances each time. But it's clearly an iconic, very unique, influential, and I think very well-made movie. You know, your mileage may vary, but... If for some reason you haven't, if you're a monster like Chris and you hadn't seen <laughs> the Blair Witch Project before this, you, you you gotta fill that gap in your knowledge. Absolutely, view it, Patrick. I'm sure it will come as a surprise to no one, but certainly a view it for me. One of my strongest. I knew I liked the movie. It was something that I knew I was gonna give a view it, and yet still, I was kind of shocked and bowled over by the way it hit me on this third viewing. I I did not expect it to hit as hard as it did. So good on you, Blair Witch Project, you know, (laughs) 20, 22 years old and still looking good. That sounded really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You made that movie sound hot. (laughs) Oh, Christine. Uh, I'm going to say view it twice. Oh. At least twice. Wow. So you should view it at night, probably by yourself with uh, all the lights off, and just experience it. And I, I think I think it is really chilling, and I think it's really it's a really unique movie, and it, it does its, its uniqueness well. And then I think you should watch it again during the day and really focus on how, how good the actors are in it and how really mm. I think that plays a lot more into how scary this is than the actual creepy uh, bits and pieces in it. Oh yeah, so. they sell it for sure. For sure, I'm gonna that give, leaves you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I thought about giving it a cue it, but um, out of respect, I'm gonna give it a view it because <laughs> I really respect what this movie was able to do. Like I said, I was hard. It was hard for me to separate the film from the phenomenon when I was watching this movie. So much so that in the beginning scenes of the movie, when you see the kids in their motel room and they're getting ready to go on their trip and it's kind of ominous because it's like they don't know what they're getting into, the thought in my head was like, these actors don't know what they're getting into. <laughs> like Their lives are about to change just as much as the characters in the movie and they don't know it. But... You know, it didn't give me, it's been so overexposed that it didn't really give me the visceral experience I was hoping for. I'm sure new viewers, um, for the most part, are probably going to feel like I did, but it's it does everything right. And it it's a real accomplishment and a real unique film. Like I said, it's been imitated so many times and people just can't find the recipe to, to do it anything anything as well as the Blair Witch Project does so mm-hmm. I'll give it a view it uh, if it doesn't scare the shit out of you uh, just show it to a kid <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. any kid it doesn't have to be your kid just find a kid yeah. and show it to him y'all the Blair Witch Project is now in an extremely exclusive club and it is that club of movies that have received viewits from all uh, hosts slash guests on this podcast. There are only five others that have received wow. unanimous oh, viewits. I didn't know we had five unanimous viewits. That's a yeah. lot. Does it- can I guess that probably at least three of them are sort of like what I always call legacy horror movies that we are um, familiar with before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Does anyone want to take a stab at what some of them are? Yeah, I, I we, think we I know, know what all of them are. are. It Follows. No, uh, I, 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 no. I cued It Follows. Oh, um, that's right. It's a dark song, Christine, yep. Poltergeist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Blair Witch Project. No, there's one more that you're missing. What? Creep 2, baby. Oh! Oh yeah, great yeah. film. One also of the found biggest footage. surprises of this whole journey. Yeah. 
It's yeah. always a delight to watch a classic film, whether you're talking about Lawrence of Arabia or a classic horror film like, you know, Poltergeist or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, something that might not be in the canon of great films in the, you know, world conversation. But it's always great to go back and watch a classic film and be like, God damn, this really does deserve to be a classic film. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For sure. All right, well, before we pitch our spoiler tent, I'll do the regular shtick. <laughs> do the regular Such pitch. Such a sexual episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Please, as usual, I will beseech you to visit everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Hit the merch store link. Uh, we've got all kinds of uh, products out there, goods and sundries, with every horror movie on Netflix art designed by me on it. Go to your podcast provider of choice. Leave us a review. Subscribe to us tell your friends about us makes us feel good helps people find the show uh and also follow us on your social media platforms of choice except tiktok we're not on that one sorry uh but pretty much all the other ones we're at amoncast e-h-m-o-n cast i'm about to take my phone out to the woods and do tiktoks trying to find the dog lady <laughs> do it we need oh, a tiktok bring me with you <laughs> please yeah i want to come too well, what could go wrong <laughs> Well, that's that's the pre-spoiler section. Uh, if you want to go watch The Blair Witch Project and somehow, after 22 years, you don't know how it ends, even though the last shot is one of the most iconic in horror history, go watch it. Uh, and if you are not afraid to have the ending spoiled, stick around. We'll be back in a minute. Chris, were you were you with me in the car when we drove out to Dog Lady Island and a giant fucking dog chased my car? That's the kind of shit that happens out there. That's why we don't go out there. Y'all kids need to stop messing with that lady. All right, welcome back. We are down here in the spoiler room where we're getting ready to spoil the conclusion of the Blair Witch Project, in case you don't know it. And I mean... <laughs> basically what is there to spoil guys <laughs> i mean they basically a, heather yeah. gives the exact same monologue that chris gave at the beginning of the show yep yep which They're still at their lowest fucking point. works like oh, yeah. holy shit i mean yeah talk about it's very emotional yeah talk about like the intersection of phenomenal performance and also just like the actual like very real world constrictions of the equipment they're working with she had the camera she probably i'm guessing at that point she did not have the screen to see herself as she was filming herself as we would now mm -hmm. uh and so it turns out in this shot that by some standards sucks and is terrible framing of the face but also like gets us so uncomfortably close to that extremely emotional moment the actor is performing and you know creates the most iconic image associated with the movie it's fucking brilliant yeah and uh that year hillary swank won the best actress oscar for boys don't cry angelina jolie won best supporting actress for girl interrupted i would put this performance next to either of them sure that's yeah. really good but yeah she's amazing she's yeah. fucking incredible i mean one thing i didn't really remember this might sound kind of kind of silly but one thing i didn't remember going into this movie is that like it's really centered on a female director mm. like that was something that just like would not have registered to me as being unique 
as a as a ten year old seeing this for the first time. But like the the movie asks a lot of her, and that actress delivers one hundred percent of the way in every single scene. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, I have a thing I have to do about every year where I uh, basically give eighth graders a little presentation on 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 possible careers in video and film fields, and I have a slide on you know. Hollywood film business and I uh, am careful I have a stock image of a woman working on set she's a camera operator or a gaffer or something I should just replace that with Heather (laughs) and the Blairish Project be fantastic also in this movie is joshua leonard who has been in a few other things but uh notably he was the villain in unsane what oh yes i looked him up earlier and did not see that are you yeah he yeah he he put on 50 pounds and became the the villain in unsane and it wait what do you mean by the villain is that is that like the ex-boyfriend the stalker Oh, the star. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Did you forget what Unsane was about? I, I don't remember <laughs> shit about Unsane other than the final I mean, shot at this of, point. There are a lot of potential villains in Unsane. But, is that right? But <laughs> that, True. That, um, I think that might help because one of the great things about Unsane, not to go on too much of a tangent, is the sense that you've seen this guy somewhere before. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and pe- people had. Um, so good stuff. So basically, you know, the spooks escalate and uh, they they realize they're hopelessly stuck in, in a loop. They can't get out of the forest. They walked south all day and ended up at the same spot they started out at. Um, and then Josh goes missing. You know, they're tormented by his screams, but they're like, no, it could be a changeling. <laughs> Don't go out there. Yeah. It's a skinwalker. <laughs> Don't go out there. <laughs> um and they they kind of you know by happenstance end up at this ramshackle house in the middle of the woods you know and it's is it the blair witch's house maybe is it the blair witch's slaughterhouse maybe okay but it's the house that the guy killed those kids in right depending on depending on whose lore you choose to subscribe to are we playing edition (laughs) two or edition three (laughs) yeah i mean i think we're supposed to uh infer that yeah yeah um so you know they go through the house there's there's horrifying sounds there's bloody handprints child's handprints all over the walls like um remember remember kids biz christine who do you guys remember <laughs> yeah, kids, kids biz? biz oh i remember remember yeah, when the roof caved yeah. in yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's there this like off-brand chuck e cheese where we grew kids up biz. and and wow every every kid had their birthday party every kid had their birthday party at this off-brand chuck e cheese in our hometown and if it was your birthday you got to dip your hand in paint and put it on the wall (laughs) and so the wow I totally forgot about that. That birthday room looked like the rooms in the Blair Witch House. It did. Oh, I'm not going to be able to unsee that now. When I watch Blair Witch Project again, it's going to be just kids biz. Um, oh my God, Chris. And um, Mike, Mike, you know, goes off. He, you know, they think they hear Josh in the in the basement or the ground floor. Josh goes down. He gets hit by an unseen object or force. That's the end of his story. Heather goes down to follow him, and then the most iconic shot, which you've seen a million times, probably. Uh, Mike is facing the corner of the basement, not moving, not talking. What the hell is going on here? Then Heather gets KO'd, and that's the end of the movie. I mean, I feel like the most iconic shot is the 
close-up of her runny nose face yeah but, yeah that's yeah. true yeah, but the, the, that final shot is a close second. Yes. Every, everybody's, everybody's seen that. It's been imitated a billion times. And it loses its ways. impact because it's been imitated and referred to and yes. it's become so iconic. But intellectually, I'm like, this is a great ending. It's a great ending. This is what you would get. It's so unsettling. Like, what else could it be? I yeah, mean, and see, yeah. to me, this was another part that did not lose its impact. It was still fucking bone chilling to me. That entire, I mean, literally, I, I felt the prickles on my spine. I, I felt this entire scene in my body as if it were the first time I was watching it. I, I it, I, I'm still shocked by the degree to which watching this for the third time hit me. Which I've said numerous God, I times. So, and I so envy your experience, but I mean, like we talked about before the spoiler break, I still like hold this movie in very high esteem on a craft level and just on a level of creativity. Like, it didn't scare me, but I'm like, how else would you end this thing? It's just, right. it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Wikipedia says that they, you know, when it was bought at Sundance for distribution, yeah. they wanted to redo the ending because they were yeah. like, this is weird and arbitrary and confusing. And they spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars going back and reshooting stuff. And then they're like, actually, no, the first one was scarier because it just it just goes so far beyond. It's nothing that you would put in a horror movie. It's just deeply unsettling and it feels real. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the initial budget before they got it to Sundance was, they. I mean, and, and estimates are all over the place, but the max that they spent on this was $65,000 is the maximum estimate. And then they spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars, I forget how much, um, but a ton more a money, couple, yeah, yeah, like reshoots and whatever, and then they just decided, ah, eh, no, never mind. <laughs> the, like you can't Which improve is, upon this. As you say these numbers, Patrick, aloud, like it, it, it sounds kind of hilarious to me. You know, in hindsight, thinking that like people were so invested in how much money went into this movie because this movie made like i think almost 300 million dollars wow. like yeah. globally in its like we're talking about a movie that was made for like a quarter a third of a million dollars mm-hmm. but it's so funny when you look at like what it cost initially and then what they spent editing it all down these like 80 hours of footage down to 82 minutes like it seems exorbitant but when you look at like the impact that this thing had it's amazing that they were able to pull this in for so little money yeah for sure so do you guys want to hear some interesting and at least to me creepy facts about the house at the end yes uh yeah yeah Yeah. probably all the same facts i read i did research on it too yeah yeah, go ahead but okay so it was a historic house uh that was built in the 1800s and it was on the property of this park that they were shooting on yeah it was used for the ending of the movie of course and one of the questions I had was like, okay, so it's a historic home. Were those handprints and shit already there? Or did they oh, yeah, make they, they, they handprints? They killed kids in that house. That's why it was historic. <laughs> <laughs> or did they make the handprints on the historic home? That was a question for well, me. Well, not handprints. It was it's... symbols, too. Didn't, there were symbols yeah. Yeah, there's on symbols. the walls, too. There's all yeah. kinds of weird shit on the walls. Yeah. Well, it's a historic home, but it's also clearly, like, derelict. Oh, it's not yeah. Like a, right. It's, it's, not, it's not like... It's I mean, kids' it, biz. yeah 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 you know it's like kind of boarded up and like it's clearly not been like like it's a tourist attraction like something that like teenagers probably got high in when they went to that park but it's not like it's never been dressed up to 
you know, become like a, a museum or anything like that. Well, so here's the interesting thing on that exact note. So after the filming of the movie, the state of Maryland announced it was going to demolish the, the house because of that exact reason. It had become a tourist attraction. People were carrying off pieces of the house. People are trash, huh. you know. Yeah. Oh, people were carrying away like the sign announcing that you were entering that town and the studio <laughs> wound up replacing it four different times with metal signs <laughs> that either rusted or were also stolen. Wow. wow. I mean, but, sometimes you just gotta get it. So, the- <laughs> <laughs> girls gotta have it. Yeah. <laughs> so the state said it was going to demolish the house. People raised funds to save it based on the success of the movie and the state said that they were going to spare it, that they were not going to demolish it. However, mm-hmm. this is the kicker that for whatever reason is sort of chilling to me. The house was demolished at a later date without an announcement. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, right? I like it. They found a secret sub-basement and the Blair Witch was in there. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Which, is, it's a shame. I would love to go to that house. That's probably the only way you'd get me to go hiking in those woods. Oh, God, you know, <laughs> I... I would walk around the outside of it, maybe, if I didn't have to walk too far to get there. I'm, I am I don't believe in ghosts or, or witches or any of this shit. However, I am agnostic enough about it that I just don't want to fuck with it. I don't want to get close enough to invite the possibility of... Of, of anything confirming or giving me a reason to believe. I don't want any more reason to potentially believe in it. So I just, with those kind of things, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to watch it from over here. You know? I'm in the same, I'm in the same exact boat. Those piles, those rock piles, I'm not touching any of them. Nope. I'm not touching any of those little stick figures hanging yep. in the trees. I'm like, I'm barely getting shots of them with my camera. And then I'm like, okay, all right, you know, respect to you, just in case you're actually, you know, Yep. A ghost. You yep. know, I don't want to fuck with that just in case. I'm like, I'm 99% sure this is bullshit, but there's yeah. that 1% and I'm not going to tempt that 1%. <laughs> right. you know? it's, it's a very, right. very thin upside <laughs> and unlimited downside. I mean, on the one hand, you get to touch a rock or a stick. And then the other hand, you get possessed or damned or <laughs> disappeared forever. Yeah. Yep. Oh, see, I'm all about like, if uh, I do totally the line sometimes because i'm very agnostic as well when it comes to this kind of spirituality that we're talking about but i'm like well if that's my demise like it's better than winning a darwin award (laughs) wait but no we're not talking about your demise but what if like the whole curse thing is real and you are like just cursed like your life is terrible oh i see okay well i can shut that down quickly i already feel like i'm cursed (laughs) but even what if your life was even worse uh, I mean, hard to imagine, well, I, right? I, I, no, I was, was going to say I was going to say hard to imagine, but no, it is. I mean, a lot of people. I, I have a lot of privilege, and and it could be a lot worse. But if if I were haunted by a supernatural being, it would at least be interesting. It'd be a lot more interesting than the things that normally stress me out. <laughs> I welcome it. I am um, not interested in being haunted yeah, by a no. supernatural being. That's a hard pass for me, dog. Yeah. I'm so, a dumpster fire already. I don't need anything else to add to it. This comes from someone who lived in a house for three years that was next to a an unmarked cemetery. And that was a draw at the time that I went to that place. So. That cemetery I'm, I'm was very, cool. 
It was pretty cool, but I'm I'm, I'm very comfortable with the weird and with the supernatural. Little little bit of a tangent here, something I forgot to mention earlier, but you know we're in the spoiler room. There's nothing to spoil, so we can let it hang out a little bit. Um, Vatican <laughs> tapes. Let's go back to the Vatican tapes. Oh God, do we have to? Do we have to? You know what the most litigate this. The most interesting thing I heard on the commentary for the Vatican tapes was about a deleted scene that was going to inform like more of the how of why how Angela got possessed. Because you're talking about the potential of getting possessed, right? Mm-hmm. The movie was going to open with a Michael Bay-esque, like, Den of Thieves armored car sequence where they were transporting the Shroud of Turin and <laughs> crows were going to descend on the armored car and, like, rip the Shroud of Turin to bits <laughs> and particles were going to come out of it and get into the crows and then when the crow smashes into the bus and bites Angela it was going to transfer the blood of Christ into Angela's body no (laughs) okay I I apologize with my whole heart to you for uh, my skepticism about you bringing up the Vatican tapes I'm so glad I just heard that story (laughs) that's insane I, I am not bullshitting you wow 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 um, uh, dude, another thing that surprised me about this, since I mean we're very much talking about the end of the movie, I was surprised there were as many credits on this as there were. I kind of figured it would be like thirty seconds of credits, and that was the end. Yeah. But it's it's a good couple minutes. I was surprised it went straight to credits and didn't have a closing title card. I, I would appreciate a, a white letters on a black screen that was like, "This footage was found." by hikers in a backpack in a pile of rocks off of this interstate if you have any information on the whereabouts of these hikers please call oh i'm so glad this movie just cut straight to credits (laughs) me too because all these other found footage movies do that they have that kind of epilogue text on the screen and it's it's just usually very hokey and silly to me Mm. so when this ended and it went straight to the credits i was like where is the information? Because I felt like I remembered that there was those closing whatever remarks mm. about the footage and yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, and, you know, what Chris all said. And you Obviously, were like, I, I have information. Wrong. That that woman is selling marijuana. <laughs> She's growing marijuana. Yeah. I can tell yeah. you where. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I remembered totally different. And, and when it didn't happen, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> you know, like, I wanted, like, an update, you know? Like, oh, okay, we found the footage. I need some kind of update. Um, but also, after I got over that, that wrong, that false memory of seeing that, because obviously I've never seen that, because it was never in the movie, I was like, I prefer that it didn't have anything. You know, that it was just, boom, the end, no other story, no nothing, the yeah. end. I liked it. Yeah, same. It was more impactful that way, I think. Another thing that baffled me slightly in the credits was that there was a soundtrack album to this, which is weird because there's no music. Well, there is there is one (laughs) pop song I think at one point. I mean, well, you know what I mean. Like not not music composed for the movie, but I don't know how you would get a soundtrack album out of this movie. Look, it was it was 1999. They were dropping soundtracks for every movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it was like yeah, so- were, the, mu- the music was usually at least in the movie for the most part. Songs, I think the, the Crow no, no, did no. like an album of like music that was in the movie and music inspired by the yeah, movie. Songs like, from and inspired yeah. by the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Will Smith has a rap. It's called "Don't Go in the Woods." <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. A, a weird weird fact that I found. Um, 
They oh wow, I'm looking at the soundtrack and it's oh you got it. I was trying to find it. Crazy. What's, yeah, what's on it? Yeah, it's it, it's all like industrial music. The creatures, Afghan wigs, typo negative tones. Typo on tail, negative. Lydia Lunch. Wow. None of this shit no. is in the movie. I want to go to no, a Blair Witch not. Club. I want to I want to go to the club on Blair Witch Night. <laughs> 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 So interesting to note that the filmmakers behind this have never really even come close to replicating the success of this movie. How could you? It's lightning in a bottle. It's lightning in a bottle. Um, Eduardo Sanchez has made a couple of movies that are very obscure that I'm interested to see. And I've heard talk on horror podcasts and stuff over the years about like what happened to these guys. And I'm like, what happened? They made a mint. They don't need to do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would you bother? Yeah. They made so much fucking money from this movie. Like, Well, I'd be curious in how much they actually got. I yeah. mean, they sold the rights off, and I don't know what kind of deal they, they made. I hope that they made bank and never have to work again, but it's possible that they only got you know a couple million dollars to split between the two of them. Maybe, but Joshua Leonard. Okay, so apparently they were. Paid I mean, a million at, is at, still a they, lot. <laughs> yeah. I'd be yeah. good with getting a million dollars right now. Well, and also the royalties, and you know, there was the you know the um, the Blair Witch movie by Adam uh, Wingard. What's his name? I, I'm Adam saying. Wingard. I'm saying. I hope that that went back to the guys and didn't just all get absorbed by the by the studio that bought the rights. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean they're 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 doing fine, but I, you I, gotta I, get I, points I, on the gross, not points on the net, <laughs> or whatever, whatever it is, whatever you. Yeah, I know to what do. you mean. For what it's worth, I just looked up real quick. The net worth of Daniel Merrick is two million, and the net uh, net worth of Eduardo Sanchez is three million. Mm. That's not big when you're talking net worth, like all the guy's assets, his house, and everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's a lot. A lot bigger than I would ever hope to achieve. <laughs> I would be. I could. I would live a comfortable life. <laughs> no, they've still. They've continued. They've continued. They've continued to work. They've continued to kind of plot along with independent features and a lot of TV work. So like they're they're doing fine. Let's get him um, on the show. I want to find his. Who, I want to find his contact information. I want to talk to this genius. Oh yeah, I'm sure no one else wants to talk to them about Blair Witch Project for the nine millionth time. Yeah, <laughs> not in this. Not in this day and age. Well, the actors. So this is an eight day shoot. All and people the want to talk were... about now is Arkivo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the, it was an eight day shoot. The actors are paid a thousand dollars a day, and Joshua Leonard. I, I'm pretty sure it was him and not the other guy said that at this point he's made over $300,000 from this movie. A thousand dollars a day? thousand dollars a day for eight don't, days. Uh, don't, when we make blood for us, don't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're lucky if you get a Big Mac. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's the Blair Witch Project. Is there, what else do we have to say about it? Nothing no one else has said before. Yeah. It's all been said before. Scary movie. Genre-defying movie. God oh, bless it. You know, here's one final note <laughs> for me. is I, I tried my damnedest because I am perversely fascinated by both Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, and Blair Witch, the Adam Wingard-directed follow-up from a few years ago. Uh, I, I tried my damnedest to watch them before this episode, didn't get to them, but I, I, I am, as I said, so perversely fascinated by them that I think I'm probably going to watch at least one before next app and I'll report back. 
Please do, because Book of Shadows was critically maligned when it came out, but I, in the past three to four years, I've heard a lot of people on the horror industry podcast that I listen to kind of come out of the woodwork and say that they think it's actually uh, what Nathan Rabin from the AV Club would call a secret wow, success. Wow, really? Huh. A li- it has a sizable cult following that continues to grow, and long before this movie was chosen for the podcast, I had been finally curious to check it out. So I think I might try to watch oh, it, okay. too. Let's it's, do it. It sounds Me interesting, because yeah. my, my understanding is that it takes place in a world where the Blair Witch Project came out. Mm. Yeah, I think <laughs> and that's it's right. Like, it, it deals with all the people going to this town who are fans of the film. It deals with what was in the movie, and, and it's kind of meta. So. Wait, can we make, that sounds can we make cool. a mission of that? Can we do that? Watch what? the movie? And then go to the town? No, no, no. Just, like, watch the movie and talk about it. I mean, we can go to the town, too, but... <laughs> well, before we even talk about that, I want to know, what are we watching next yeah, time? Yeah, what are we watching next time? It's Patrick's turn to choose. Choose wisely. Patrick, what do you got oh, for us? I'm choosing so wisely. I'm so excited about this. This movie just came on Netflix, and some may have uh, differing opinions about this movie. I know I'm a little in the minority on this one as far as loving it, but we're watching Crimson Peak. Oh. I fucking I knew I knew you'd pick that. I saw that on Netflix today. And I was like, "That's Patrick's yeah, buddy. pick." That was I. I think that was actually in my top ten films of whatever year that came out. And that was a year when I watched like everything. I was reviewing movies at the time, and I saw everything. Um, and that was in my top ten. All right, there's just one Fuck. problem. Um, are you sure it's categorized under horror despite being a gothic romance? I don't give a fuck if it's not. <laughs> We're watching it. I'm about to find out. It's a gothic romance, Patrick. It's not horror. Have you seen it, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I fucking hated it. Oh, God Whoa. damn you. <laughs> I just put that in my queue. I've seen I it. I thought it looked good. Is anyone going to ask me? I've seen it. It is good. Oh, you have seen it, Chris? Yeah, I've seen it. Have you seen it, Chris? What? I've seen it. <laughs> I see. I own it. I'm blue. You own Crimson Peak? I own Crimson Peak. I'm blue. Oh, my God. I love you so much. Yeah. Well, I guess we already finished up that up. So, Stephen, what are we watching next time? <laughs> we, no, so, we've, so, got so a, horror, we've got a view it from Patrick, a cue it from Chris, and a screw it with prejudice from Stephen. <laughs> no, I've been curious to revisit it because it came up on the, the Horror Queers podcast on the Bloody Disgusting Network. <laughs> Why are we plugging other shows? You can't they, do that. They, 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 re- <laughs> um, they, they reviewed The Innocents. The, the turn of the screw adaptation from the 60s that um, Truman Capote wrote and both of the hosts were like I didn't like Crimson Peak I'd never seen The Innocence before but I wish I'd seen The Innocence first and then I might have appreciated Crimson Peak more so uh, what that's fascinating yeah so I'm kind of curious to, to see it again I'll probably still feel the same way but we'll find out in two weeks all right it's 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 a movie that puzzles me because like I, I feel like most people I talk to are like fuck that movie I hated that movie and I'm like what I, I, I can understand being ambivalent about it I'm just always puzzled when people hate it I mean I understand that I'm weird for fucking loving it but it always puzzles me when people are like fuck Crimson Peak I'm like what maybe they think you mean Crimson Tide Probably not. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Can we watch Crimson no. Tide instead? <laughs> well, it's not in the horror category, so no. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's in two weeks. We'll be watching Crimson Peak, the Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. 
uh, masterpiece or maybe not a masterpiece. You'll have to tune in then and find out. Uh, but until then, like Patrick said earlier, you know, send us a message. Check us out on social media. We love to hear from the fans. Tell us what you think about the Blair Witch Project. We, uh, you know, this is a two-way conversation. Or uh, I guess there's four of us, so it's a five-way conversation. <laughs> uh <laughs> Love to hear from the fans, but that- just a, a veritable orgy of conversation going on here. But that's all we got for this week. So we'll see you in two weeks for Crimson Peak. Until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. Oh, that's me. I'm Christine. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Oh, no. Must be the season.